0: When I hear that song, No Turning Back, the world behind me, the cross before me, I will, I have decided to follow Jesus. I can't help but think about our missionaries, and our missionaries will be coming up here in the month of October, and uh, we'll have several here, and uh, we're looking forward to that. And as I was thinking about that as well, I want all of you to be praying with Miss Peggy. Miss Peggy is doing her very best to get to Guyana, and we'll have more to say about this in the very near future. But uh, she has surrendered her life to go there and help with this orphanage, and so I want you to be praying for her. I can't help but think about, when I hear that song, I think about all of our dear precious men that are in other countries that we've grown to know and love so well, and uh, many of them have been great blessings. A lot of them will tune in on our services throughout the time. I've noticed several of our dear brothers from the Philippines and other places have tuned in, and we appreciate all of them. Maybe one of them tonight. Sometimes it is on Sunday night, but... Uh, when I hear that song, I think about our dear precious missionaries. Would you uh, open your precious Bible tonight to the Old Testament? We're going to look uh, in the book of Numbers, book of Numbers, and uh, Numbers in the Old Testament. And uh, we don't normally preach out this book. Y'all, I'm sorry. I'm a little enamored. I just seen my granddaughter looking up here at me, and so that kind of got me a little bit. So, y'all, excuse me for being human and a grandpa. Can you at least wink at me? There you go. She blinked. And uh, (coughs) in Numbers, chapter number thirteen, let's begin reading with verse number one. Verse number one. Read a few verses here. Verse 1 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were their names. Of the tribe of Reuben, Shamoah, the son of Zachor Of the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori. Of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jethunah. Of the tribe of Issachar, Igal the son of Joseph. Of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshia. Now this is Joshua, the son of Nun. Of the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Refu, of the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodai, of the tribe of Joseph, namely of the tribe of Manasseh, Gadai, the son of Susi, of the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gimeliel, of the tribe of Asher, Sether, the son of Michael, of the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Vopshi, of the tribe of Gad, Giul, the son of Makai. Now these are the names of the men which Moses went to spy off the land. And Moses called Joshua, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. And Moses sent them to spout the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. See the land, what it is, and the people that dwelt therein, whether they be strong, weak, or few, or many. So we understand this. Uh, uh, God is leading His people, the people of Israel, through the leader Moses and so Moses is told to pick out 12 men of each one man of each tribe their leaders of that tribe and of course I read the names because really we've never heard any of those names except two and really that's kind of what I want to bring out tonight and we know what happened they went in and I'm not going to read the whole chapter I'm going to read more in chapter 14 but we know that verse 21 says they went up they searched the land. We know that they came to a brook called Eshkel. In verse 23, there was such a large branch of grapes there, the cluster of grapes. They cut it down. Two men had to bear the grapes uh, because they were so big. The Bible also says this was a, a land that flowed with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. And, but look at verse 28. But nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, he saw the children of Anak there. Now we know that the Anakites, they were very large men. We would, we would actually call them giants today. They were very large in stature, much larger than Israel, Jewish people. And so we know that in verse uh, 29, the Bible tells us that they looked at these men, they looked at the fence cities, they looked at the mountain, and all of their hearts melted. Except, look at verse 30, Caleb steeled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up, I want you to notice this, an evil report. Now that doesn't mean that they brought up something of not truth and it was something evil. No, we understand that's what the Bible uses, but I want to give you the context of that. It was just simply an evil report because you have to go back to chapter 13, verse number 2 and find out why it was an evil report because chapter, chapter 13, verse 2, I want you to notice a few little words with me here. Uh, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which... Read those next three words. I give unto them. Absolutely. I give unto them. So, the promise had already been made. God had already told them that the land was theirs. They wasn't going there to search out the land to find out whether they could defeat them or not. They were going on a reconnaissance. God told them to go and spy out the land. They were just supposed to come back and, fight and just give what they found. But the men, the ten of the men that went, not only just came back and found what they, and reconnaissed what they found, they also gave an evil report because they said, we can't when God already said you can. That's the evil report. So verse thirty three, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Verse one of fourteen, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Now I think this is interesting; it amazes me that Moses and Aaron wasn't at fault. Somebody say, "Amen." But it's amazing how they were the ones murmured against because why? They were the ones that was leading, but they're not the ones that gave back, came back with the, the reconnaissance or the evil report. But yet, I guess it always, as Dr. Robertson said, everything rises and falls on leadership, right? And so that's who got murmured against. And the Bible said, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt or would God we had died in the wilderness? Now think about how discouraged they are. They've come a long way. And they could have come farther. God wanted to lead them farther. But as you continue to look here, they're sitting here bantering back and forth about how bad this is and how it's not going to be able to be done. There was ten that said we can't do it. Two said we should do it. But I want you to notice, finally God speaks up in verse 11. Well, verse 10. But all the congregation bade stone them with Stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us tonight. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Help us to learn. From this true event in jesus name amen god had led his people out of the land of egypt now god had performed many miracles he told him this he said how long are you people not going to believe me now these are his people he loves these people the bible tells us very clearly that they were his own peculiar people he loved the jewish people he chose them he led them out of the land of egypt and by the way he performed many signs the bible says We would say that these were signs as well. To get them out of Egypt, he had to perform ten plagues. These plagues were wonderful signs. They just didn't happen. God performed it. That was a miracle. If you'd have lived in that day and seen those plagues, you would have known that there is a God that was working and doing something special. God did that. God parted the Red Sea. If you were a Jewish person of that time being led from Egypt and you come to this great body of water, by the way, it was the Red Sea, not the Reed Sea. Our liberal scientists and all of our liberal people now say, oh, it really wasn't the Red Sea because that was naturally impossible for them to cross over. But you tell me how in the world would two inches or four inches of water stand up a great wall? That's even more of a greater miracle that they had to part that water if it was just so little they could have walked across it. But we understand that he, he, he parted the Red Sea. And not only parted the Red Sea, he held that back. The timing of that had to be perfect that all of the millions of Jewish people could get across. But yet it had to come down at the right time to defeat the whole army of Pharaoh. Yes. A miracle. That was a sign. Wouldn't you think that was a sign? Wouldn't you think that God proved himself? Wouldn't you think that God proved himself with all these bickering people? They're about to die. Of hydration. They don't have any water. But the water there was bitter. So God had to sweeten the water. And God sweetened the water. by the way. These same folks was crying. Because they were hungry. And by the way. You get a bunch of hangry people. That's a bad place to be. All these folks were hangry. They were hungry. They wanted food. And so God created and set a table for him in the wilderness and he provided him quail. He provided him manna. I mean, what's in much better than, than, than good old, I mean, you know, quail's kind of like a chicken, just smaller. Chicken and bread. I mean, we could all live on that, couldn't we? Amen. I'd say most of us had chicken today. But he provided this. Not only that, he led them by a cloud by day and a fire by night. I'm saying all this to say this to you. Do you not think by what all they had seen that God had proved themse- himself to them? Amen. I mean real. I think he had proved himself worthy. Now can I ask y'all a question tonight? Y'all think he's proved himself worthy to you tonight? Yes. I think he's done some things that's been assigned to us, has been a miracles for us. And, and look, they stood here. Kadesh Barnea, just on the edge of the land of promise that God had promised them. There were 12 spies, one from each tribe, 12 spies, 10 absolutely was against. And the Bible said they provoked the Lord and the two believed. Now the 10 outweighed the two, but I want to say this to you. Here's the question. When are we going to start believing? When are we going to start believing? Because you know what happens? Same things happen today. We all go home and watch the news media and we all get all discouraged and and absolutely tore all to pieces. Come on now. And we forget what God's already told us. And so what we do is just like the whole family of Israel, they let ten men that seen the giants, seen all the stuff that they seen. And by the way, it was real. They were there. I'm not saying that it wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal. If I'd have been one of those spies, I'd have had to check, check my gut. I'd have had to check my backbone and say, Man, God's telling us this is ours. I don't know about all of that. By the way, we do it every day. But a lot of times we let people influence us. And get us all discouraged. And we stop believing what God has already said is true. Yeah, right. Amen. It affects our lives. It affects our decisions. It affects what we do for the Lord from this point on. And I, look, I'm saying this to you. I don't know of a pastor right now that's not discouraged. I don't know one. I don't know of one. I don't know of one pastor that I'm friends with that's not discouraged. You know what they're saying? Ain't the same. It just ain't the same. It just ain't the same. Now look, I'm not being ugly to pastors. I'm going to tell you something right now. The Bible's still the same. God's Word is still the same. God's truth is still the same. But I do know what we're doing is we're basing our attitude and our spirit on people and not the Bible. Absolutely. But I'm going to be honest with you. You know as well as I do. I don't know of any preacher that would rather preach to two than 20. I don't know any preacher that would rather for all of his people to be online watching instead of in church. By the way, I'm for online services. we got to have them. There's people that are watching. They cannot be here tonight. But I'm going to tell you something right now. It is different. It is discouraging. But I want you to know something. Even though things might be different... God's promises are still true, and we cannot allow the lives and the and the, the decisions and the discouragement of other people to affect us to where we stop believing the Lord. And what happened was the ten that provoked the Lord got a whole nation to provoke the Lord. The ten, the ten. Why? Because these ten were leaders. These ten had seen the land. They had cut the grapes down. They seen the giants. They seen the fenced cities. They seen the walls. They seen all that. And they're human. And by the way, when we see everything going on in our land, we're human. Can I just say to everybody, everybody here's human? Everybody's here human. We're not all such spiritual high towers that we don't feel. We don't don't struggle with things. We all do that. But I want you to know something. There has to come a moment and many moments in our life that we push those feelings aside and we push that discouragement aside and we push what everybody else is saying and there has to come a moment in our life where we just hang everything we have on the promises of God. Just like in this passage, God had already told them. Look, I just want you to go out and espouse the land. It's very clear. They all heard it. Moses gave them the message. Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children. It was already a done deal. What's amazing is how is he going to do it? And that's where we cower. I know what God said, but. I know what God says, but. Pastor, that's just not practical. That's not on paper. That's not what that's going to look like. Doesn't matter. If God gives a promise, listen to me, we can believe it. Yeah, so I'm going to ask tonight, what has he ever not kept his promise in for us not to believe him for the future? Believe it. By the way, I'm talking to folks tonight that I believe many of you have believed him in many areas of your life, and so have I. But I'm talking about the areas of our life where we might need a little bit of encouragement. So I want to just take some observations here. I want to make two observations that I've picked up from this passage of Scripture. Let me start with just a couple. Number one, it takes only a few influential people To hinder fulfilling God's commands. Just takes a few. Doesn't take a bunch. By the way, how many people did God use to turn the world upside down for Him? Twelve. They got the gospel to the then known world. Twelve men. And you say, Pastor, where did they go to school? They went with Jesus for three years. They didn't have the book of Matthew like we have. They didn't have Bible institutes like we have today. I want you to know something. They spent three years side by side, intimately with the Lord Jesus Christ, and He proved proved Himself to them. But it only takes a few influential people to hinder fulfilling God's command. A A few people who are in a position of influence, But refuse to trust God can keep a family. For instance, dads, you can influence your children and your family and absolutely hinder your family by refusing to believe what God tells you. For instance, I can spend a little bit of time on this. I don't ever, ever talk about it. But let's just talk about just the principle of tithing. And I don't say that because... I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm not saying this arrogantly, I think our church gives great, and I don't know who tithes and who doesn't tithe, I don't ever want to know, but I know that there is a great blessing there, that is a command of God, and I want to say this, men have to lead in that area, and normally men are the ones that's hardest to give up the money. The Bible gives us some wonderful promises about that in the Old Testament, about tithing, and how we not want to rob the Lord and how we ought to want to give out of a cheerful heart. God teaches this. But I want to just say, in your home, dads, as a dad, as a leader, if you're not willing to obey and to believe God, for Him to promise you promises that you will refuse to believe them, listen to me, you're hindering your family. You could be hindering the will of God in your family by you simply not believing. Moms, ladies... By the way, I think the Bible says you're the God of the home. I believe the woman is the most influential person in the children's lives and in the home. No doubt about it. So you have a very influential position. And if you're the kind of woman that just absolutely always goes by feelings, then you're going to absolutely refuse to believe God in some things. You're going to hinder the fulfilling of some of God's plans and God's principles in your life. Let me just say here in this church, even to make it larger, we're talking about an individual life, a home. Now let's look at a church. A few people who are in positions of leadership or influence, but refuse to trust God, can keep a church, and they can keep them going back for 40 years. 40 years. These 10 men cost... Everybody else, 40 years. Why? Didn't get to see the promised land. They just simply wouldn't trust God's promise. And although it's small, although it's small, I don't know when Moses declared this to these spies. Now boys, just remember, God's done gave us the land. You're just going out to aspire the land. Don't bring an evil report back. Don't come back and melt the heart of the people and say, oh my goodness, do you know how hard this is going to be? How bad this is going to be? Because no one needs getting help getting discouraged. Everybody needs help being encouraged. And those men, I'm sure were told, come back with the reconnaissance. Don't come back with an evil report because God has already told us that it's ours. Yet yeah, they believe their feelings. They believed what they felt. They believed what they seen. The Bible said they gave an evil report. Now look. To be cautious is wise. That's wise. I don't think this church has ever done anything and just thrown everything to the wind. And I'm going to say this. If you are here and you're a part of this church, I appreciate our leadership in the fact that we've never just done stuff. The stuff, especially the big decisions, the things that has to be done, those things aren't taken lightly. There is always caution. There is normally always discussion. There's always thoughts about those things. And I just want you to know that. That's always been since I've been here. And I know it happened even longer than I've been here. But I want to just say that to you to encourage you. I believe that it is we should be cautious. But to be cautious is one thing. But to be afraid of the future and the promises of God is a totally another thing. And normally what we like to do is we like to hide behind that cautious, but the truth is we're afraid of the future and really not wanting to rely on the promises of God. And in this passage we learn that a few people affected a large amount of people. Look, there will always be unknown factors. There will always be unknown factors. Just speaking of Miss Peggy. She's going to be going to Guyana. The Lord's going to lead her there. I've talked with her a little bit. i talked with the gentleman with the board. I think, and I think Miss Peggy agrees, she's going to go and spend a little bit more time in Guyana. And my thought on that is maybe to take away some of the unknown factors. Now, she knows a lot. But would y'all agree, all of you that went on the mission field, there's going to be some things that you didn't prepare for. So it would help you to be a little more prepared. But I want to just say to her, and I know y'all could say more, but I don't care how much she goes. There's always going to be unknown factors. But in our life, and no matter what we do, there's unknown factors. I don't know what's going to take place tomorrow. And to be honest, to be fair to these men, they've seen these fence cities, they've seen the walls, they've seen the giants, and they said, okay, well, maybe God has told us that He's going to do it, but here's what they struggled with How's He going to do it? Y'all ever just sat back and thought about that? How's He going to do this? Some things seem so big, you know, they just seem so big. Everything's just in front of you. You're like, oh my goodness, this is uncrossable. This mountain's too deep. How in the world? And we start to looking at you know, all of our hills and all of our mountains. And we start thinking, oh my goodness, this is too big. There's no way we can do all of this. But here's what's amazing. God always does what He promises. Hallelujah. Really what's exciting is to see how He does it. I'm curious. We never know. We never know because they didn't give Him a chance. Because they provoked the Lord. They didn't believe Him. But could you all imagine how He was going to do this? I mean, we know in other times that He used great signs, great miracles to defeat God's enemies on the battlefield. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. They thought they were outnumbered and they had 300 men. I'd love to know how God was going to do this, but we'll never know. Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll find out. I don't know. Y'all encouraged by that? I'd like to know. But I'm going to just say this in a personal way. I've been in some real dark, deep messes before, and I'm going to be honest with you. On the front end of that, I said, oh, dear God, how are you going to work this one out? But I just want y'all to sit still tonight. He always has. He always, does. And he might not have done it the way I wish he would have done it. So what's the thought here? Whole churches are kept back because of a few grasshopper Christians. And here's why they're grasshoppers. Because they see the obstacles and they don't see the promises that's easy. Listen to me, church. That's so easy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you tonight that I don't look at obstacles. I do. I I weigh out the things. And many times I'm ashamed that I, I look more at the obstacles than I do the promises. But we've got to start looking at the promises of God. We need to start moving and acting on the promises of God, not just everything that doesn't look right or seem right or the obstacles that we think we have to overcome to see God do it. When God gives us a promise, he will do it. So I realized one of the observations about this message is just simply it only takes a few influential people to hinder fulfilling God's commands. It could be in my own personal life. I could let people influence me and it could, it, could not, it could hinder fulfilling what God wants me to do. But then in my family, a mother and a father, if you're in a home, you have these different moments in life to where you either are going to believe or provoke, and you have an opportunity to either go forward with God's promises or you can hinder from not doing what God wants you to do just simply because you see the obstacles and not the promise. Then the whole nation, we see a whole nation. They spent 40 years to get to this place. Now they're backtracking. All because of Ten influential men that simply only looked at the obstacles and their fear and their feelings and they didn't trust God's promise. I know it was a little one. I know this was little. Just a little promise. Compared to those big greats, compared to them big walled cities, compared to the fences, compared to the giants, it was small. But I'm going to say this. Joshua... And Caleb had a different outlook. Do you know why I think they had a different outlook? Because when they looked at them giants saying, I think here's what they were saying. Man, how's God going to do this? He done told us it's our land. That's just the difference in a mindset. They were looking at those fenced cities and saying, Man, how's God going to bust them things down? Was it not God that led His people down the walls of Jericho and they never fired a shot and defeated Jericho by a great sign? Listen to me, I want you to know something. I would have loved to have seen how God did it. But the difference between Caleb and Joshua and the other ten leaders is instead of looking at the fence and saying, Oh, we can't. They were saying, My soul, how's God going to do it? That's just the difference. That's the simple difference, isn't it? Because they came back, Caleb tried to steal these people. He tried to say, hey, listen, look at me now. God's going to possess this land. He's done told us. And by the way, Caleb got his land later. He got that old mountain. God was faithful to him. But I want to say, we need to be careful. You need to be careful with your influence. I need to be careful with my influence. By the way, there are times in my life that I'm more discouraged than others. I need to keep my mouth shut. If I'm discouraged and I don't see everything like I should be seeing it right there at my moment, I need to be quiet and not discourage everybody else around me. Because I might just be in the darkness and the sun ain't up for me yet, but it'll get there. The worst thing I'm concerned about many times when people are going through problems and trouble, who they go to means everything. Who they go and talk to, when they go and talk to them, means everything. Because you know what? Most people, all they need is hope. Boy, I know a lot of Christians, boy, if you get around them very long, you're going to find out one thing about them. They're as skeptical as any lost person is. we got to be careful, church, giving out advice. And when we start making a reconnaissance about what God has already told us about, we need to be very careful how we give that report. By the way, every mom and dad here ought to be very careful how you give that report to your children. So I can say that just a few influential people can absolutely hinder the will of God. But number two, and I'm going to close. This is a simple observation. The majority is not always right. That's simple, isn't it? Now, listen now, church. Y'all know as well as I do. A 10 to 2 vote would carry a church any day. Come on now. Y'all with me? 10 to 2, I had to carry a church every day, all day long. Right? No doubt about it. Because that's the majority. But in this particular situation, they weren't right. The majority were wrong. Not always right. Now, I'd rather go with the majority. I think that's safe in most instances. And that's why I'm not going to say that's why you need to listen to me very, very carefully here. There are times that we have to go on majority. But there are, is, is only one way, whether there's a majority or a minority, there is only one way to discern right from wrong. Only one. If we was to go and get a majority of Americans today to talk about the most basic moral issues of today... I'll guarantee you the world is not going to sign with us. And I doubt the majority of the world would line up on biblical principles. They're not going to do it. But even if it's not a majority or minority, there's only one way to discern what's right and what's wrong. Because everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a thought. And we should have opinions, we should have thought, but what discerns right from wrong? There's only one way. Doesn't matter if everybody's agreed, or if no one agrees, or if everybody agrees, and there's one person here that doesn't agree. Do you believe that in our judicial system there's no doubt that the majority on a court system has been wrong in the past? Sure they have. But I'm talking about the Christian life now. I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about what's right, what's wrong. And that's what, here it is. Very simple. This is the only way. What God says. That's it. So when you go to the voting booth in November, that's all that matters. What does God say? It's that simple. What's He say about these issues? Now, In this particular issue, very simple. God already made it and told them what he said to make the ten wrong. And this is why. He said before they went, the land is yours. Y'all with me? That's all they needed. By the way, that's all we need. A word from the Lord. A promise. Oh, Pastor, that old Bible, that thing there, that's not in context. No. But his promises... Are true no matter what context they are. For instance. My God. Shall supply all your need. You know what context that's in? Giving. That's in the context of giving money. To the work of God. That's the context. But we can claim that principle for the Christian. Because yes. I do believe. That he'll supply all of our need, But I'll say this to you. That promise will never become real to you until you claim it. (laughs) I'm working on this. I'm excited about it. You're going to have to uh, enroll in the school of darkness so you can teach in light. Because you really don't know. My God shall supply all your need if you've never been in the darkness of that. You can memorize the Scripture. You can quote the Scripture. And by the way, I'm glad that all these children are memorizing the Scripture. But here's what I know about these children. One day, these Scriptures that they're putting to memory, one day they're going to mean more to them because they're going to actually live that in darkness and it's going to help them to get to some light. Huh. I want you all to know something. I had no idea what I was signing up for when I went off to Bible college. No idea. Man, I got in all them classes and I enrolled in all of them classes. Homiletics, hermeneutics, the New Testament, Old Testament, Apologetics, all them egetics. Y'all know homiletics, it teaches you how to preach. But I'm going to just say right now, if you ain't been called to preach, you can learn it all in the world. You're never going to preach. you got to have it in you. All these things. And I'm going to be honest, man, I sat there and, and I, I went through this, uh, this class of Hebrews. Just the book of Hebrews. And Mr. Dan Phillips taught the class. He had pastored the same church for 52 years. That just makes me want to have a heart attack. 52 years. And he was ending his life teaching in a little old Bible college to encourage people. And I'm going to be honest with you. You know what? I sat there in that class and I really never, ever, really completely understood it. And I learned all this stuff, all of these helpful things. I'm going to tell you right now. Where it really became real is when I enrolled, enrolled in the school of darkness and I was able all that stuff that I've learned became real to me in darkness. I say to any young man that goes to a Bible college, he says God's called him to preach. I wish I could tell that young man that he's going to learn everything he needs to learn on the mountaintop, but he's not. He's not going to learn the light on the mountaintop. He's going to learn the light in the valley. Never dream the things that you're going to go through in life. And by the way, here's where we are in this passage. The majority is not always right. Why do I say that? Because 10 said we can't. Two said we can Two was right. Not because they said they were right. Because they just simply clung to this one simple promise. God said it's yours. The 10 got them 40 more years. The majority got them 40 more years. Years of wondering. Here's what the Bible says. They provoke the Lord. Now here's my question tonight. You want to provoke the Lord or you want to believe the Lord? It's that simple. I know we live in strange days. I know we do. It is strange. Weird. The weirdest I have ever seen in my life. Strange. I mean strange days. I mean strange stuff going on. But it doesn't change the promises of God one bit. Not one bit. So I just want to encourage you tonight. How about we just take a promise and just trust Him? All of you raised your hand this morning or this evening and said that He's proved Himself. How many of y'all think He's proved Himself to you? Well, He's going to keep doing it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's going to keep doing it. Thank you, Lord. So we're human. We struggle. We have feelings. We have fears. I'm allowing for that. I look. We're all, we're all human, but we're trying to be spiritual. We want to please the Lord. We want our faith to come out. But here's where we just have to claim promises. And they might be small ones. But they're mine. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse is mine. Can we, can we sing that? Y'all, do we have that? Can we, can we sing that? Let's sing that. Y'all believe that at every promise in the book's yours? Well, how about we claim them tonight? And not just claim them tonight. How about let's claim them tomorrow when we go off to work. Let's tell somebody about it. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what you're struggling with tonight. But there's a promise for it. Like I told you this morning. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. I'm preaching for me now. I'm being honest. I need it. Kaylee said something to me a couple weeks ago, and I said, No, honey. I said, This is all for me. I need the help. Hey, I'm clinging to promises. And I'm not only say that, I'm trying to find new ones. And what I mean by that is, some of them really didn't mean a whole lot to me maybe four months ago, but they mean more to me now, and so I'm looking for promises that will help me now. And I'm finding them in the life of Joseph. I have no axes to grind. (laughs) This message tonight's for me, you just happen to be sitting in on it. And I'm sure you're saying, well, let's not sit so long. Let's just be honest. Do I love God? Absolutely. Do I want to be spiritual? Absolutely. Do I want to trust the Lord? Absolutely. But I'm just going to be honest with y'all. Y'all have a human pastor. And you know what? You're human too. And every once in a while, we just need to get down to the nitty gritty and say, hey, listen, here's where it all lays. We either going to trust God or we're not. That's where it settles. And if God gives us a promise, then we, we're on good ground. And the sun's going to come up. And we're going to know that every promise in the book is mine. And so I need to claim every promise. And that's what I'm doing when I'm going through the life of Joseph. Those promises are so precious to me because I know that if he promised Joseph, he promises me. There's certain situations that Joseph's going through in his life that I feel right now in the moment of my life. I'm going through some of those things. So those things are very precious to me. They're helping me. And they might be small to some, but they're large to me because it's the little things that God can help us with. It's the little promises. And so I hope and pray tonight that we will trust the Lord. Would you stand to your feet? Hey, let's sing this song. What pages? 186. What is it? 186. Y'all get it. Let's read it now, or let's sing it now. Look, let's sing it like they're ours. I don't know where you're at tonight. If you need to come to the altar, feel free to do so. But really, this is a victory message to me. I, we just need to claim a promise. What is it? They said the land's yours. Hallelujah. So, what do you need to claim tonight? Let's claim it as we sing this song. We're the dawn. Every word is every line All the blessings of His love divine Every promise in the book is mine going We're going to sing it till everybody smiles All right. Every promise in the book is mine Every chapter, every verse is every love of love and every line love is love, But again, every promise in the book is fine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, all the blessings of His love be fine. Every promise in the book is fine. Amen. hey right. man Let's close in our Brother Lofty, would you close us in prayer tonight? Thank you. Father, we thank you for the message we've heard tonight. We pray that we get it apply in our lives this week In pray that you uh, bless us to speak to uh, those that we meet along the way, uh, that we can share the love of Jesus Christ with others. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night.